0: Topical conversations and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera.
1: Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom Alechem. Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you. That's right. Man, I'll tell you what, we are just happy to be alive. Neither of us have gotten the coronavirus. Absolutely not. And, uh, and God is good. Uh, we've been praying for those that have been uh, working towards healing and uh, those that are stuck in quarantine with their families and loved ones that they're deciding if they're still going to be the loved ones when all this is over which we just pray that they will, and that this is making your family closer together. Uh, Here in Florida, where we are, there is uh, some releasing of restrictions, which is Phase one. Yep. We've started phase one. The governor has uh, us in phase one. So some restaurants and retail opened up to 25% capacity, but we have yet to get the green light to have services. So we're going to follow the rules and do as we're told, but we miss everybody. We love all of you guys. We just want to thank you for listening to the podcast and for praying for us and for uh, for being here with us week in and week out. As always, if this is your first time listening to our podcast, welcome. Uh, We are very grateful that you're here listening. Uh, Make sure you hit that subscribe button on wherever you're listening to these podcasts so that you can get notifications whenever we put out a new podcast. And uh, it is the 24th day of the Omer, so stay tuned because we are going to be counting the Omer at the end of the podcast. So today we're studying the Torah portion, Emor, which is Say. And you can find this in the book of Leviticus, starting in chapter 21 and verse 1, and ending in chapter 24 and verse 23. You know, it's interesting that
2: um, I heard this said by uh, a rabbi that the Torah is the mind of God. Mm. And the mind of God is the Torah. You know, so something to think about. You know, I know there's a lot of controversy over the Torah, but but the bottom line is that if you ever want to know how do I interpret the Torah, just jump right into the Gospels. Uh, Yeshua is the Torah; he's the Word made flesh. And then, of course, you know, he uh, he experienced a lot of a lot of interesting things. You know, absolutely. Uh, I personally believe that uh, that 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 Yeshua kept the Torah while he walked the earth. Uh, I even believe the Apostle Paul kept the Torah as well. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, I know among many Christian commentaries, I just want to go there for led to share this, but a lot of Christian commentaries would say, well, you know, well, the apostle Paul kept the Torah because he was Jewish tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee, but, but we as Christians, we don't really have to keep it, you know? So it's kind of interesting because if he was sent to the Gentiles to teach the word and to teach Shabbat and all these other things, even the feast days, then, then why would he allow them to be exempt if he was sent to them? Yeah. You know, so just something to think about. You know, uh, and and like I said, you know, we're not to argue over the Torah. It's actually one of Paul's letters, but the Torah is an opportunity. Everybody, it's teachings and instructions, and you don't have to, but you get to. So the book of Leviticus is all about you shall be holy. It starts with consecration, it ends with consecration, and we of course are making this uh, great transition, which we have made last week. Uh, chapters one through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. And as we are, of course, in chapter 21, we want to walk with God. And so uh, uh, I know my my father-in-law, Mr. Colbo, makes reference that we are kings and priests, and we are to be uh, you know, putting on this garment of praise and, and righteousness of, of the Lord. So I thought that was kind of interesting that we are kings and priests. It's actually even found in Revelation. Um, and of course, it's found in Exodus 19. But once again, uh, we're going to move forward here and we're going to be looking at uh, some incredible things. We're going to be looking at the holiness of the priests, uh, which is found in Leviticus chapter 21. And we have some, uh, once again, we have some protocol, some some rules, some things that the priests need to follow in order to serve. Once again, uh, Moses got this tabernacle up and running uh, with the personnel and the and the, and the people and the tradesmen and everything. And uh, everybody gave towards the tabernacle. They they of course collected this half shekel and everything. Uh, so this thing's up and running and fully operational now. And now they're going over protocol and 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 of course the uh, the job description and responsibilities. ...of the priesthood. So, Ryan, did the Lord tell Moses that the house of Levi must not be defiled for the dead among his people? That is correct. Yes, must not be defiled. Now, a a Levite could defile himself for his immediate family, uh, mother, father, his son, daughter, or brother. Okay, so a Levite could defile himself for his immediate uh, family, mother, father, his son, daughter, or brother. Uh, you know, it was interesting, uh, I, I talked with one of our members of our congregation, and uh, she was sharing with me that, that her, her mother had passed away of the coronavirus uh, in New York City, I do believe she lived in the Bronx, and she actually uh, was sharing that she was able to talk to her on the phone before she passed away. The, uh, the nurse was very, uh, you know, uh, very helpful in that in that regard, but, huh. but but she got to actually talk to her mother on the phone. And uh, and that was just a great uh, closure, you know, to that degree,
0: because
2: yeah, uh, sure. she was unable to actually to to go to New York City. But just just a thought, you know, that they're able to put the phone up to her ear and talk and and pray for her mother and everything to honor her, uh, you know, what an incredible testament, what an incredible story, you know. Thank God for the medical staff that allows that to happen. Yeah. Because of this coronavirus, people are not allowed to to be around loved ones uh, because it's so contagious, you know. and, and so the medical staff really plays a larger role as well you know they're they're actually uh you know uh become a family member a part of the family to 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 get answers and to speak and to to, to be a mediator almost you know and so uh you know it, it just goes on to say some different things in here as well as we move on here uh a levite cannot make boldness or shave off the corner of his beard uh once again this is a, a, a thing that's very interesting uh there's a lot of things that the that the pagans were doing and uh, God did not want them to do as the pagans did. So right. this is like, actually like a, uh, you know, uh, it's actually a response to the things that were going on. He says, well, you're not going to do these things. So you cannot make baldness or shave off the corner of, of your beard. Uh, a priest's daughter who was a whore would be burnt with fire. Now, you know, we, we read this and we're like, my goodness, this is. Yeah, that's rough. Oh, and, and like I said, you know, uh, there's no prison system in the Bible. Correct. You know, I know Yeshua mentions in the gospel, hey, you didn't come visit me when I was in prison. And all these things, But you know, when I was needy, you weren't there for me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me, you didn't clothe me. Because Yeshua's in all of us, you know, and and even uh, the Apostle Paul uh, had an encounter with Yeshua. You know, why do you do this to me? You know, why do you persecute me? And uh, I'm sure the Apostle Paul was like, what are you talking about? But once again, the body of Christ is Yeshua and he's the head. So we're just bringing this stuff up because uh, we're talking about rendering of, of uh, you know, justice or mercy or judgment or whatever it is, whatever the, the, the case is. And uh, we need to understand that uh, as you look at this, you know, to be burnt with fire is, is a pretty stiff penalty Uh, To say the least, Uh, you can actually be excommunicated or or thrown outside the camp away from the people or you could be stoned. Yikes! You know, you can make restitution, but there really there is no prison system uh, in in the Torah, which is very interesting. Uh, Once again, the high priest could not defile himself with the dead body of his mother or father. Wow. So the high priest could not defile himself. So now the standards higher for him. Now, if you'll notice, the Levite could defile himself for his immediate family. right? But the high priest could not defile himself with the dead body of his mother or father. Very interesting. Uh, and, of course, we know the commandment is to honor your mother and father. But here's a, here's a rule for the high priest. And, of course, the high priest was required to marry a virgin. Wow, look what Yeshua did for us. Yeah. He gave us back our virginity, Ryan. That's right. He did. Yeshua came back and he married us. You know, and, and, I, and I only say this because, you know, as we talk about the, the coronavirus plague, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a verse that talks about a bride without spot or blemish. That's a sign of a plague. So without spot or blemish, mm. you know, and, and Yeshua became the plague for us. And you guys need to understand that. Uh, if you, actually, if you look at the, the word plague as far as leprosy goes in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word, it means to leave a mark. Yeah. Striped. And, and what happens when you get like chicken pox? You know, we have these marks. See, the plague leaves a mark. I know, Ryan, you were showing me some pictures of x-rays. You oh, want to yeah. Share a little bit about that and, and how it leaves a mark.
1: Yeah, actually, um, I saw like a like a post that shows the the x-rays of the lungs. And it shows, you know, a normal chest x-ray, a chest x-ray with somebody with uh, influenza, a chest x-ray of somebody with pneumonia, and then a chest x-ray of somebody with uh, COVID-19 and it just progressively gets worse and worse.
2: Cloudier and cloudier. Right. And it's, it's almost it attacks like the lungs.
1: Yeah. And you could see it, uh, in contrast, you know, from, from place to place, you know, a couple of things about these last couple of points that, you know, a priest whose daughter was a prostitute would be burnt with fire. Um, obviously prostitution is a, um, is a, t- a twist on God's, you know, perfect plan for marriage and so on and so forth. And really it becomes a cancer within the body of, uh, of God's people. And that's the reason for that. And and oh, by the way, there's a a penalty on the other side for the men as well, for all my my feminists out there. The high priest was not to defile himself with a dead body of his mother or father. You know, this is also interesting. Uh, I think this one sounds kind of sad, but it wasn't like he couldn't go to the funeral. He just was not going to be dressing their bodies and touching their bodies, right? Because that was going to be the the part that would defile him. Um, but he was allowed to mourn, and, and so to speak, absolutely. And then, uh, and the high priest was to marry a virgin. This is a young woman who'd never been married, uh, and so again, just just things that that set apart the high priest. That if you can think of all of the ways you could set somebody apart to make them, you know, quote unquote, the perfect candidate. They had to qualify for those things, and then there was even more on top of that. You know,
2: it's interesting. You know, so so a, a priest with a blemish, um, could not offer the offering of the Lord made by fire. So a priest with a blemish, could not offer the offering of the Lord made by fire. He could not if he had a blemish. You know, and that's actually a physical blemish, and, and they go into all that. But it, it's interesting how that we have the priest rules here. we have this high standard, this incredible standard that God is creating. Because remember now. Moses was given the pattern. And, and what are we talking about? Remember the Our Father, you know, yeah. model prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Right. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Uh-huh. In earth as it is in heaven. So you're, you're taking this model from heaven and bringing it down to the earth. Yeah. And, and that's why even the altar is so profound and incredible because the altar shows ownership. Right. So when that altar is placed, God is saying, "I am the owner. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof." And of course, what happens is the enemy comes along and says, well, "He let's build all these altars," you know. And that's why he specified Jerusalem is the place of the sacrifices. That's where his name is. That's where he shows ownership. And what did they end up doing? They end up building all these other altars and pagan idolatry and passing their children through moloch through the fire. But uh, any, any last thoughts on that, Ryan? Before we get into uh, twenty-two, chapter twenty-two.
1: Yeah, you know the the idea here again is just to be set apart, and I think that uh, people shy away from a standard nowadays, uh, especially because of this false idea that there is no standard. Uh, and I think that if we can look at this and see this as a picture of Yeshua, and that if he is going to, um, if he's going to be our high priest. Then again, as Pastor Nick mentioned, that that makes us a chaste virgin. That, that he makes us white as snow. That he takes away our spots. That he washes away our blemishes. That, that because of what he has done on our behalf, we now qualify as the bride of Messiah. And that's an awesome, awesome picture of what our relationship with Yeshua looks like and what he's done for us. And when we look at it from that regard... Now we can the light bulb goes off, and we can understand that God's plan is perfect, and that God doesn't make mistakes, and that He chose us, and He chose His Son for a purpose, as you can see, you know, through this example.
2: Excellent. And so you know, like I said, you know this is all about the priest' rules. we get into Leviticus chapter twenty two, and we have the holiness of the offerings, and basically, uh, we would say to profane, not, profane not. Uh, So did the Lord stress the holiness of the offerings to Moses? Oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, this is interesting. You know, I I got this revelation uh, some time ago. Uh, And let me tell you something. Revelation is better than knowledge because revelation is like an imprint. You know, and and so I only share that because uh, the revelation that I got was, and the Lord was kind of showing me this, like, how could I be a pastor 24 hours a day, seven days a week? How could I possibly meet the needs of the people or even do this job? Yeah. You know, because it's like, well, you know, I love people, I love public relations, but it's really not that. What it is is, and and this is what really changed my life. It's like, you know, uh, my life is a sacrifice. So am I bringing my best offering? You know, we talk about, do you have your A game? You know, and I know when you're feeling under the weather uh, or, or if you're emotional, you know, you're not to make decisions, you know, especially major decisions if you're not well or in or emotional, uh, you know, instability. But uh, once again, I like this. Did the Lord stress the holiness of the offerings to Moses? So when you say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to bring my best to, to the service on Saturday or I'm going to really prepare my notes and my message, I'm going to go over the top. You know, and, and just like we bring out this altar of incense uh, for the prayer meeting, you know, we put it down the floor and we put all the prayers in there. You know, we're just we're just bringing our best because prophetically we are literally at the altar of incense. And uh, when you think about, you know, the different offerings, uh, you want to be a burnt offering. You, you want to bring the meal offering, which is serving. And then you, of course, get to get to participate in the peace offering. But once again, just think about your life as an offering. Did, did you bring your best? You know, and that's what I want to really challenge our leadership in at Bay Tehila. Are we bringing our best? Did we do our best? Because if you could say, hey, I brought my best. I can't ask for anything more than that. If you say, hey, I really brought my best. Yeah. Or I did the best I could or or whatever. I I, I like that, Ryan. What, What do you think about that? I mean, you know. Uh, I think
1: I think that it's obvious when when you do that right And a
2: sacrifice of praise instead of you know bringing a goat up the aisle or, or a lamb, right. it's like, hey look i can I can I can give a sacrifice of praise, yeah, you know and and praise the lord and and, and put on that uh you know, what is it the uh, the robe of of, of worship? right mantle of worship
1: yeah absolutely you know you know i find uh some of the the (coughs) you know the kind of back talk here in the hebrew roots talks about you know people will study the offerings and they'll say well you know uh you know one day when the pastor talks about tithing or or bringing in the offerings into the the you know tabernacle or into the storehouse uh, i'm just going to bring a goat up the middle of the aisle and see how they take that and i'm like well they probably you know aren't set up to accept a goat you know maybe in rural communities that might be uh, like Jamaica, they would love that. They would love that in Jamaica. We'd be praising him, man! Hey Amen! this goat is good, My curry that goat. But, uh, but I think that it's, it's a bit of a sarcastic remark. I think people understand that one of the main purposes of people bringing offerings to the temple in the way that they did was to provide for the Levites and to bring food into the storehouse of God. Be, not because God's eating it, but because it provides for his priests who do the service of the tabernacle. And we're looking at principles here. And that's my point. You know, it's the principle. That's my point.
2: And, and, and so as we move on here, in Leviticus chapter 22, verses 3 through 7, uh, here's a question. Did the Lord stress the importance of avoiding uncleanness for Aaron and his sons? Absolutely yes. not. And I want to throw something out to all of you in regards to uncleanness. Um, uncleanness is one of the 17 works of the flesh found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. So, Ryan, where would we find uncleanness as far as in chapters?
1: In chapters in Leviticus,
2: uh, in, in regards to uncleanness, uh, I know I'm going to look. I'm going to look it up here. Uh, we have, of course, the uh, uh, chapter 12, the purification of women after childbirth. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Uh, we have, of course, the laws about leprosy in 13 and 14, uh, and then of course we have, and here's the title: unclean discharges from the body in Leviticus 15. I mean that's so,
1: everybody's favorite chapter. Know. Yeah, but. It's not mine,
2: but I mean <laughs> I'm just telling all of you that you know, and I know people want to go to extremes and different things and but but I would say that this, just think of the principle, and I know you even said it, holy versus profane, right right the different or holy states. versus explain common. to people about that well it, you, it, you know Tame
1: being the unclean, right and right. tahar or tahara being the the clean in english we have the we think of it as clean and dirty is the connotation that we're receiving when we hear clean and unclean and really what it means is it's holy or set apart and and common or not set apart something that's that's just you know for common use it's the water fountain right that's only used for the priest before he goes into the holy place or is there the water fountain that's in the hallway you know in between the bathrooms that everybody uses right? right one is holy and set apart one is not also can think of it as prepared and unprepared. You know, if you're going to go do a presentation uh, before your class in college or before a business meeting or before your church or whatever, um, there's times where you get thrown up there and there's a, you know, a topic or whatever that maybe you're not so comfortable with and are you prepared or are you unprepared for that day, right? And just imagine how you right. feel inside, right? right? When you get thrown up there, are you prepared or are you unprepared? That's to man yeah. to heart.
2: And I, and I think this whole coronavirus thing is is sanctifying and separating people. I think it's given us time to reflect on everything and let God come into our lives uh, on a one-on-one basis. So, so once again, and I just want to read verses uh, 6 and 7 of, of Leviticus 22. It says, The soul which hath touched any such shall be unclean until even, and shall not eat of the holy things unless he wash his flesh with water. This is in regards to the priesthood. And when the sun is down, he shall be clean, and shall afterward eat of the holy things, because it is his food. So that's interesting, you know. And of course, you know, uh, moving on here in Leviticus 22, verses uh, 19 and 20,
1: uh, the animal sacrifices had to be offered without blemish. Abs- yeah. So and, once again, did you bring your best? Did you bring your best? And, and see, we could, that's the spiritual side of it. But then in the, in the natural, you know, if you're going to provide for the Levites and provide for the storehouse, are you just going to give them the junk that you didn't want? I mean, that's what happens at Goodwill, right? What do you do? You bring all the stuff to the other they don't want. Now they don't what? They don't take TVs or mattresses. Why? Because everybody brought their junk there. They didn't bring stuff that, hey, I don't need this anymore, and I think someone else could use this at a little you price. Know, and low, I think in price. Malachi,
2: God challenges the people, right? You For would, sure. You wouldn't give that to a governor. Right, right, you know? right, 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 right. So, so anyway, um, moving on here, and we're going to be moving into uh, Leviticus chapter 22, verse 29. I want Ryan to read that about Thanksgiving
1: it says, and when ye offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. Wow. You know, I tell you what, Ryan, you know, I, I got to work
2: on having a better attitude and being grateful. Yeah. Have you ever just really just thought about being grateful? The other day I was out by the pool just so grateful for the sun shining out of the pool. My kids are swimming. We're safe. We're healthy. Just thanking him for that. You know, here we have this 12-foot deep pool. I mean, it's incredible, you know. And uh, they don't make them like that anymore. But just so grateful and, and thankful, you know. And, and and this is what's interesting. It says, "Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name." Uh, Psalm one hundred, verse four. So think about it. enter his gates with thanksgiving, and then his courts with praise. Yeah. You know, I, I know a lot of times, uh, and I and I share this from my own experiences that when I come to the service, I don't look to, to pick it apart or to say, "Wow, that didn't go well," or Why do they do that? Yeah. Oh, that's not working. You know, it's like I'm enjoying the service and I want to just get in there and someone is speaking from the stage or whatever. I want to listen what they're sharing about the offering or the the Torah portion, you know, take some notes, glean, you know, and just be thankful, you know. And so I think if we do that, if we say, hey, I'm going to enter his gates with Thanksgiving and then his courts with praise. It's going to be a, a, a beautiful world. Yeah. You know, we have the most awesome sanctuary. It's like a big living room for God. I, th- I think it is. I think it's like a living room for God. And, and, and I, I just love sitting there, even to this point of, I think we're, what, seven years we've been meeting in the sanctuary. And I still enjoy it and love oh, yeah, it to come absolutely. in there and just sit. And, and, and it's, like a, it's like a rectangle, you know, our, the, way it's, the way it's set up. And, and the, the, the stage is long. You know, and there's not a bad seat in the house. Yeah. You can sit anywhere and see everything because we made the stage a certain level. Don't call it a stage, around Miss Susie. It's a, it, it's a platform. It's a platform. Platform. And there's a podium, but I'm just saying yeah. that it's a stage for God. You know, just like the, the Sea of Glass in Revelation is a giant dance floor. So uh-huh. once again, uh, let's let's get into uh, the the Lord's Feast, Ryan, and and I'm going to have Ryan read a little bit because this is like this is going to be the main course. In Leviticus chapter 23, we have the Lord's feasts. And uh, I would like for Ryan to read, uh, let's see here. Uh, let's go ahead and read verses
1: 1 through 11. All right, let's do it. it I'll says, get our spring feast here going. Chapter 23, 1 through 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but in the seventh day is the Sabbath, of the uh the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation, ye shall do no work therein, it is the Sabbath of the Lord and all your dwellings. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. In the fourteenth day on of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover, and on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread, unto the Lord, seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priests. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Wow. So once again, you
2: know, here we have, they're called the feasts of the Lord. They're not Jewish feasts. Did the Jews celebrate them? Absolutely. Are they, are they for the chosen people? Sure. But they're the Lord's feasts. It says it right there. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Lord. Now, the word feasts is in the Strong's Concordance. It's number 4150. It's the Hebrew word a moed, and it means an appointment, fixed time or season, and assembly. Wow, check that out. It means an appointment, fixed time or season, and assembly. Uh, And of course, contained within the same verse in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 2, we have the word convocations. Number forty-seven, forty-four in the Strong's Concordance, it's the Hebrew word mikra, and it means something called out, a public meeting and a rehearsal. So, with that said, Ryan, we are literally
1: commanded to assemble and come together at the appointed time. It's true, and you know what else is cool? If you uh, if you ever wonder about God's feast, does He care about them? You know, all these kinds of things. They're the moed, as you just mentioned. The Moedim in, as, uh, in plural. And in Genesis chapter 1, and verse 14, it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. So here, here he's creating the sun and the moon and the stars. All right? So he says, Divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Wow. So the word signs here is, is in English, is going to be basically signals. But this word here for seasons is not spring, summer, you know, winter, fall, and winter. The word uh, seasons here is Moedim. There you go. So it's right here. Season of redemption. Right here in the season of the Omer, the fourteenth verse of the Bible. Right. I mean, we're right here in the first chapter, Genesis one, and God is creating the heavens and the earth. And he's creating the, uh, the sun, moon, and stars. And before he ever creates any animals or plants or anything, he knew that he was going to have appointed times, Moedim, where he was going to meet with his people on those days to have a special convocation, a get-together, right? And so I just think that's super cool. Um, I also love the fact that they do. They belong to the Lord. That's great. You know, um, one other thought that I had one time about the feasts, uh, you know, I came into the Hebrew Roots through the feasts. I found the feast by watching a, a thing about the pagan roots of the holidays, and we don't really harp on the pagan roots of the holidays here, because I think for us, we're not looking at, you know, what we're against, we're looking at what we're for. And so for us, we say, hey, there's a better way. Let's do Bible things in Bible ways. Let's do godly things in godly ways. And ultimately, when we look at uh, the the kind of the way things are being done right now, the feast Are are God's appointed times, and he's sent out an invitation through the scriptures to everyone who believes in him and wants to be in covenant with him. So he says, hey, I'm throwing a party. That's right. And you... God's calendar. You are invited. That's right. Here's the day and the time. That's right. All right? here's what's on the menu, right? So we're having, what is it on unleavened bread? We have matzah, uh, bitter herbs and lamb, right? He even tells you the menu, right? He says, this is the theme of the party. Oh, by the way, the death angel is going to pass over you. We're going to, we're going to talk about redemption at this time of year, right? So he does all these things. He puts it all together, gives you the little script and everything says, Hey, here's the party I want you to come to. I'm going to be there. And we're like, nah, I'm good. I think I'm going to throw my own party. I mean, yeah,
2: I'll do that next week.
1: Yeah, I, it just, listen, I uh, calendars and arguments about all that kind of stuff aside, the feasts are just crucial to us relating to God and to going to Him and to to loving Him and showing our love to Him and being in relationship with Him. And I just think that it, there's just so much depth and richness once you start doing it that we can argue semantics all day long about the relevance, this and that, from an academic level where it's abstract, right? It's still in the cloud. But once you start doing it, And of course
2: the Hebrew calendar is lunar. Right. The Gregorian calendar is solar. Correct. And it's kind of interesting that, you know, we got to celebrate Passover before the church actually celebrated Easter. So once again, people want to say, well, do you celebrate his resurrection? Well, absolutely. It's all contained within Passover. Communion, His resurrection, everything, you know. Yeah. And and I just want to encourage you in this. And of course the, the Sabbath is the first feast day that's mentioned. It's the fourth commandment. And we're not going to go into great detail on all of this, but we just want to kind of give you a little bit of a lowdown here. And then, of course, we have, of course, Passover, which is Pesach in Hebrew, then unleavened bread, which is Hag Hamazah, and then first fruits, which, of course, is Bikrim. And those are, of course, uh, the spring feasts. And we are in the midst of counting the Omer. We are commanded to count the Omer. Basically, I'm going to break it down for you. We count seven Sabbaths plus one day. Mm. So the interesting thing is, we know that this year, I do believe it was April the 8th, and the evening was Pesach. It was the 14th day of the first month, or or they call it Nisan. Um, And so once again, uh, once we have that, uh, established, we go right into uh, the next day. The fifteenth is the start of unleavened bread, right? And 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 so we know that for seven days we are to eat unleavened bread. We're actually commanded to eat unleavened bread. That's kind of interesting. You eat matzah every day, so it's not like a substitute for the puffy bread. You're literally commanded to eat it to remind you of how. You know, Israel had to leave in haste and didn't have time for the bread to rise. And that's all part of the Passover Seder. So, with that, we, we move into, of course, first fruits, which is, of course, the day after the Sabbath. And so, we know that as we look at that, Yeshua rose late Saturday night, early Sunday, which was the day after the Sabbath. And the Bible talks about through Paul's letter to the Corinthians that Yeshua is our first fruits. So, what's happening is, as far as counting of the Omer, even now, uh, incredible things have happened during the counting of the Omer. First of all, uh, Israel became a nation during the counting of the Omer. Also, Jerusalem, the city, was fully reunited uh, during the counting of the Omer. So look at us historically, Ryan, the coronavirus hit. So the theme, really, for the spring feasts is a plague. Mm. So, so as we look at this, we need to understand that God is in control. So I'm bringing this to your attention because I know in hindsight, it's going to be so much better, but I know we have a color-coded biblical calendar that the Lord inspired me to put together, and there are different colors. Uh, the light blue are the seasons, uh, the orange are the biblical months in the Hebrew calendar, and then of course the biblical feast days are in purple, and season of caution is is yellow. So we have, of course, Purim Eve, uh, the the celebration of Purim, the story of the Book of Esther uh, in Persia. Uh, that's cautionary. It's yellow. And then, of course, we have interesting. The counting of the Omer is in yellow, meaning cautionary. Yeah. So I'm bringing this up, everybody, because the Scriptures tell us that Yeshua showed Himself to over 500 people, and He showed Himself for 40 days. So, Ryan, here we are. We're doing this podcast today. And it is, of course, Cinco de Mayo.
1: Cinco de Mayo.
2: Cinco de Mayo. And yesterday see?
1: was May 4th, uh, so, Star
2: Wars Day. That's right. So once again, we're counting the Omer. Yep. Now, here's the thing. If Jesus showed himself for 40 days, mm. his ascension would be, of course, Thursday, on a Thursday, May 21st. So we've, we've hit this peak in a lot of states and different things with the coronavirus. And, and supposedly now it's, it's supposed to, to come down. You know, we've, we've hit the maximum of the curve and now we can, we can manage this through our hospitals and medical staff now. Uh, they won't be overrun by a high curve. So, so just something, you know, because there's, there's, a, there's a saying uh, among the CPAs, three famous words, numbers don't lie. So we might not have the exact numbers for the coronavirus, but we do have numbers. So, so I want to encourage you that we want to make it to May 21st, day 40 and see what happens. Because on May 30th in in the evening is Shavuot. So what we have defined and what we interpret the scriptures to say, and not to say that we're right and other people are wrong, we count seven Sabbaths plus one day. So... Shavuot, Pentecost, or Feast of Weeks will always be on a Saturday night, Ryan. Right. In that interpretation,
1: which is okay. Right, because at the end it also has to end on the morrow after the Sabbath. Right, and so I want to just make
2: that clear to all of you that we do follow the Hebrew calendar, the calendar among the Jewish people, but when it comes to the counting of the Omer, of course we know that uh, the counting of the Omer began Saturday night to Sunday, which would give us day one. Right. So you'll always have the Omer... uh, in multiples of seven on Shabbat. Right. And then 50 would be Saturday night. So just so you all understand. And of course, uh, Passover is connected to Pentecost because of the counting of the Omer. And then, of course, we go into the fall feasts, trumpets, which is Yom Teruah, the Day of Atonement, which is Yom Kippur. And then, of course, the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. So we have these eight feast days, which is very interesting uh, in, in, in regard to the fall feasts. And the neat thing, Ryan, is that I'd like to, to, to take this and just um, share with everyone, and if you don't mind reading, Ryan, uh, Exodus chapter 23, verses 14 through 17. So I want to share a little insight with you. I've done this before, and I want to do it again just to, just to reiterate and to remind you <coughs> how powerful God's calendar is. Exodus 23, verses 14 through 17. Now. Contained within the Sabbath and these seven feast days, God also has three national feast days, which is, of course, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. So let's check out these two references, and I'm going to kind of go over it real quick here with Ryan. So three national feast days, uh, first reference is Exodus 23, verses 14 through 17.
1: All right, here it says, Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread 7 days as I commanded thee in the time appointed in the month Abib, for in it thou camest out of Egypt, out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labor, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, and when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. The 3 times in the year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. So once again, you, you have these three national
2: feast days, three festivals each year that, that are the three national feast days. And what this does, it shows the redemptive plan of God, an overview. Right. So we all have to agree that uh, as we look at these references, uh, we know that, of course, Passover is about uh, the Lord bringing his people out of Egypt. Salvation salvation uh, with an outstretched arm. He brought his people out. So would you all agree that 3,500 years ago, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they applied the blood of the Lamb to the doorpost, and they came out of Egypt? Yes. Absolutely. That has been fulfilled. Now, would you agree that Yeshua is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world? Yes. As Christians, absolutely. John the Baptist pointed him out, hey, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that's about being born again, trusting Yeshua, uh, confessing him as Lord that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Now, would you agree that that is being fulfilled today? Absolutely. Yeah. I got born again in March of 92. So here we have that you would say, Ryan, that, that that is being fulfilled and it has been fulfilled. Yeah. So that's one third of God's redemptive plan, Ryan. It has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled. As we move into the next feast day, which is Pentecost or Feast of Weeks, Shavuot. Keep this in mind. Exodus 19, the giving of the Torah. Would you agree that on, you know, the Feast of Pentecost or Shavuot, God entered into a marriage covenant called the Torah with the children of Israel? Yes. Survey says yes. Would you say that that has been fulfilled? Yes. Yes. Now, as we move into this... Second National Feast Day, would you agree, Ryan, that over 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter two, the promise of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled in the upper room in that area? Oh, absolutely. So that is two-thirds of God's plan. So we're born again, we've come out of Egypt, or we've come out of Egypt and we're born again. We have the Torah and God is pouring out his Holy Spirit right now all over the world. Now remember, there's only one Holy Spirit And what would he do? He would convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's how you know if you have the Holy Spirit. Remember that. That's if you know if you have the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Okay, sin, because sin is sin. The wages of sin is death, okay? Jesus died for our sins. He didn't cover our sins. He took them away. So we need to acknowledge sin as missing the mark. Number two, uh, he's going to convict the world of righteousness. What righteousness? The righteousness of Christ for those sins. Because what does Yeshua say? For righteousness, because I go to the Father. Meaning that he did the Father's will. Drink from the cup. Okay, you need to stay with me on this. Now, he's going to convict the world of judgment. Why? The ruler of this world has been judged. Now, the sentence hasn't been carried out, but we have the keys. You don't have to be sleeping with the enemy, so so Ryan, would you agree that two thirds of God's redemptive plan has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled? Yes. Very good. Now, listen to me, everyone. This is paramount. The last and final piece to the redemptive plan of God is tabernacles. It's called the Feast of In Gathering. Now, some of you might be a small group. You might just be a few people. Uh, Bayteel is about one hundred and fifty. But I'm going to tell you something. God is not scattering. He is gathering. And so with that, would you all agree that when God called them out of Egypt, they had to make temporary booths or sukkahs? Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, I mean, that's, that's how we know that Superman is Jewish. He came out of the booth. <laughs> so here's the thing. If that's the case, and we build sukkahs every year to remember how God brought us out, and they had to dwell in a temporary hut, right? Right, not Pizza Hut, not Job of the Hut. No, a temporary hut, 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 right? So think about it, everybody. Why is this so important? Because we don't want to fight against the gathering spirit of God. He is gathering us, so we have to be productive. We got to come together, you know. And that's one of the things the Holy Spirit will do. He unifies the body of Christ. You know, if you want to know if somebody has the right spirit or not they're going to tell you what they're for, not what they're against. They're going to be creative, productive, Ryan. Those are the people we want to hang around with because they have a right spirit. Even even David cried out, renew a right spirit within me. So I wanted to go over these with you because it's so important. Uh, The other reference, Ryan, is Deuteronomy 16, verses 16 and 17. So I'm not taking away from the eight feast days. I want to add... To these three national feast days because you know god is gathering us and and you need to understand that and i love what yeshua even said hey if they're not against me they're for me so let's check out deuteronomy 16 verses 16 and 17.
1: it says here three times in a year shall all the males appear before the lord thy god in the place which he shall choose In the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. So there's your two reference for three national feast days. I believe we're on borrowed time. So
2: 2,000 years is up, Ryan. Oh, yeah. And if we're not being gathered now, and, and Yeshua cried out in Matthew 23 before the Olivet Discourse. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long to gather you? But you would not. Yeah. So the conclusion of this is, which is kind of cool, uh, in regards to the feast cycle, uh, there's, there's an eighth day that is attached to the end of the seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles called the Eighth Great Day. And, uh, and that's incredible. And eight means new beginnings. So after these, these eight feast days, even Shabbat, you have the Eighth Great Day, which is attached to the Feast of Tabernacles at the very end. And of course, the eighth day is considered a solemn assembly, and no work is to be done on this day. Now, as we look at the feasts, uh, who did Moses declare the Feast of the Lord to, Ryan? The children of Israel. The children of Israel. Now, time doesn't permit me to go into all the details, but you can take this and find in the New Testament in regards to the feast days in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. You can see Paul mentioning the Feast of Pesach there. And in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, about let no man judge you, In keeping these feasts now uh, my pastor friends have have really asked me well you know are we gonna be celebrating these when Yeshua comes back and I just have a few references he might
1: he's gonna do Christmas and Easter don't you think
2: no just back off buddy don't don't ruin it don't ruin it (laughs) don't go profane on
0: me all right all right
2: now there are prophecies about these feast days being celebrated when Yeshua comes back in Ezekiel chapter 45 Verses 18 through 25, we can find uh, the feast days there. Uh, of course, chapter 46, verses 1 through 11 in Ezekiel, once again. And then last but not least, we can find this in Zechariah, chapter 14, verses 16 through 19. If you don't come up and worship the Lord during the Feast of Tabernacles, there'll be no rain on your land. No which is a Hebrew idiom rain. for, you will not be blessed. Correct. God will withhold the blessing. So here's the great question. To end chapter 23, Ryan, this is the million-dollar question. If Yeshua fulfilled the spring feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, would He fulfill the fall feasts, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles in the future?
1: You know, I think that there's some clues throughout, um, you know, Revelation and the prophets, as you mentioned in Zechariah and Isaiah and uh, Jeremiah and uh, and and all, of, really all the prophets to to say yes to that. I think it's a resounding yes um you know even if we just take the clue that he did it uh for to the spring feast that it will also come to pass uh to the fall feast it's also one of the things you know god doesn't allow these things to happen for no reason you know these these this evidence that he puts before us and so there's plenty of people out there uh unfortunately that they come into the hebrew roots movement and then they find some anti missionary teachings or something and they start to to somehow waver in their faith and leave you know the faith of Messiah, uh, the faith that Yeshua is Messiah, the faith that Yeshua and Yahweh are Echad. And if you were to just look at God's redemptive plan and what God has done, and, and what see, He's doing, and see the the hope that we have in His return, and, and what He's going to do—that in trumpets that He returns, right? In atonement that He judges the nations, uh, and that in tabernacles that He He gathers in all of His people, that He gathers in His bride. Um, I just think it's an awesome, awesome look at the, prof- the prophecy of the future, um- you know, I get asked, just this week I was asked if I was pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, you know, as I far as you, Did you go to the pan theory? I did. Thank I you, did. Ryan. What a good disciple. I'm, I'm Listen, into I, the, think I, you, the I think I told you. Tell them what the pan theory, is. I think I told you about the pan theory. Yeah. You know? No,
2: I heard it from actually Pastor Danny McSpadden from Louisiana, pastor. Danny McSpadden. That's his name, yeah. He was a Cajun boy from Louisiana, Pat, my pastor, years ago. He's and, Cajun? And, and he was talking about the the argument over that. He mentioned yeah. the pan Theory and I, I've, I've ran with that ever since. Tell yeah, me what the pan fine, theory fine. is. Fine, fine. All right. So What's, yes, what is it?
1: The pan theory is that Yeshua is coming back and it's all going to pan out. Oh, and so yes. it's funny because I said that Ooh. and then somebody told me that that was a cop out. Ooh. And I was like, wait a second, hang on. All right. So it, it's not about deciding pre, mid, or post. I think the important piece is prioritizing faith. Where is my faith? Who is my faith in? Is my faith in my understanding of the eschatological picture that I've painted? Or is my faith in the fact that I know Yeshua is returning? I know that he is on the throne. That's and good. that whatever he does, right, that will match scripture because we know it will, because hindsight is 20 20. We always look at what he did and we're like, oh, look, it's oh, here yeah. and it's here and it's here. You know, we're going to look at what he does when he returns and we're going to see in its fullness, what the picture actually is. And it's going to pan out. Listen, Ron, i tell you what. This
2: coronavirus has really forced us into spiritual exercises. Like, you have to read your Bible. You have oh, to pray and worship. Absolutely. What else are you going to do? You can only watch so much Netflix. That's right. I mean, really, and then your, your brain just turns into like mush. You can, you, you, know, you can only do so much. So once again, uh, I want to remind everyone that Beta Heal has a color-coded biblical calendar for the year 2020 just for you. Uh, you want to contact us at uh, Kathy at 2praise.net, K-A-T-H-I at mm-hmm. symbol T O P R A S E dot net or info at 2praise.net. We would love to send you this through a PDF format, uh, eight and a half by 11, color-coded biblical calendar that you will enjoy. And, and in closing in this chapter, we are prophetically in the Feast of Shavuot at this time. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit, okay? So I love it how we make this transition now. We're going to be going into uh, chapter 24. Uh, It's about the menorah and the showbread. I'm going to let Ryan take it over from here. Uh, We we both love to share and talk and speak, and I can be a little overzealous, but I don't want to leave out my little disciple over here, and I want him to take over chapter 24 so I can drink some water and Maybe do a few other things around. I'm pretty passionate about
1: the uh, the feast days, but you know what? I'm also passionate about the menorah and the table of showbread. You know, I am. You know, because of the The spirit of God and identity. Oh, look! There you go. Look at you just jump in there. Jump in there. I I I thought you were getting water. (laughs) I'm getting water. All right. So chapter 24, verse 2 says, "Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil, olive beaten for the light, to cause the lamps to burn continually." So how long were the lamps to burn? They were to burn continually. So the lamp from the seven candlesticks, the menorah, were lit all the time and gave light to the holy place in the tabernacle. And it was special oil that was used. It was only the first pressed. This wasn't even pressed oil, right? This was I like cold-pressed olive oil. Oh, That's yeah. a little extra, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. extra virgin, right? That first, that first bit Whoosh. that comes out, oh, yeah, it's great. So, uh, so there's no windows in the tabernacle. Uh, no.
2: So the menorah was the only way that they would have
1: light in the inner court. So, are we sure there was no windows in the tabernacle? Well, there's no windows in the temple,
2: right? There's no windows in the tabernacle at all. Yeah.
1: No. Interesting. Not so even I mean, I'm just
2: thinking. So you service this menorah every evening and every morning. You had to keep it lit. Yeah. And of course, you know. Because there's no uh, sunlight going in there. Right.
1: Right. Just interesting. It is interesting. So, uh, how many cakes were put upon uh, the pure table before the Lord in uh, verses five and six? Uh, this is 12, so one for each tribe of Israel. And the bread was exchanged every Sabbath um, so that you know that it stayed fresh, and so they would lay it on the table, and then every Shabbat they would come in and exchange it out for fresh bread. And uh, the Aaron and his sons, so the priests, were the ones to eat the bread from the table of showbread. So
2: you have the Holy Spirit, Ryan. That's right. You have this table of showbread oh, yeah. with 12 loaves, unleavened. Unleavened. And did you share about the double-rimmed? I, I
1: didn't, I didn't. You know, the double-rimmed edge is there so they can't breath. fall off. Yeah, there's like two fences. So like
2: Trump could build a wall, Yeah,
1: build another one.
2: Why not? I mean, I'm just saying that. Very interesting that, that there's, there was two little boundaries on that table and, and switched out every Shabbat. So if, think about it, We have the Holy Spirit. We're like the loaves. We can't fall off the table. And, and, and we're swapped out every Sabbath. And we get eaten by the priest. Wow. <laughs> is it called Wonder Bread? Uh No. So the Aaron and his sons would, of course, eat from this table. Uh, Ryan, do you, are you familiar with the story of, of King David and his men when he was on the run from King Saul? That he was able to eat that bread, even though he wasn't permitted to. I eat I am. It? It's even referenced in the New yeah, Testament. Very interesting. And so he was actually um, in a situation where he was allowed to eat that bread. Yeah, he, he was. was hungry and he was on the run. Very interesting.
1: Yeah, it was very interesting. So um, we're moving into another section here in uh, chapter twenty-four, another storyline, right? That talks about the punishment for blasphemy, and so uh, a lot of interesting commentary has come out about this. Um, but here in verse ten, it just says, "And the son of an Israelitish woman, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the children of Israel, and his son, and this, this, and this son of the Israelitish woman, and the man of Israel uh, strove together in the camp." And the Israelitish woman's son blasphemed the, the name of the Lord and cursed. And they brought him unto Moses, and his mother's name was, it gives the name or whatever. But, um, you know, he was, uh, was told. you know, God gives the, the punishment <laughs> that he was to be taken outside the camp and stoned for this blasphemy, blaspheming the name of the Lord. And so uh, there's been mentions of, of, you know, mixed marriage. This is the reason why, you know, unequally yoked, you know, having the pagan gods of Egypt, you know, mixed in with, you know, the God of, uh, of Israel, and that that was the reason um, that he ended up being raised up to, to curse or blaspheme the name of the Lord. Um, and then, you know, I was reading through the whole story all the way through to um, verse 17, and it just dawned on me that here in America, you know, we believe so much in freedom of speech, that anybody can say anything they want about anybody at any time and that's their right they have the right to do that and here this almost seems contrary to that because god says yeah but you know what you can't blaspheme my name because my name is holy i am holy i created you i brought you into this world i'll take you out you know yeah and so it's definitely different god's you know do, you know talks about not speaking against you know leadership that he has set up he's talked about not blaspheming his name and clearly it's important to him because the punishment here was that this, uh, this son of the Israelitish woman and the uh, Egyptian man was to be stoned. You so. know, I, I, I look at this, the challenges of a
2: mixed family. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you're remarried, maybe with your second marriage or third marriage, you have stepchildren and, yep. and all these things, you know. Uh, that's really a picture of the commonwealth of Israel when you think about it. The mixed multitude came out of Egypt. So this particular woman, her name was Shalometh, the daughter of Dibri of the tribe of Dan. Mm-hmm. So here she was from the tribe of Dan. Uh, which of course that, that that name means judgment. My wife is Danielle. And that's mm-hmm. where you get Daniel. You know, Daniel means judge. Uh, that's why I can't really mess with my wife too much. Yeah, I gotta judge cave of God, in. right? I got to cave in. But of course, the uh, once again, the uh, the husband was an Egyptian. So what a mixed family. So look what you're bringing into the family.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you're bringing in something that's uh, that, like like a mixed family, yeah, uh, which is which is very interesting. You know, and and even to this day, you know, there are those that want to celebrate the Hebrews with the Christian faith, and other members of the family are like, yeah, I'm going to Sunday church, and and like I said, you know, and, and I would share this with anyone. You have to respect people's faith. You know, I I hope that my children celebrate the Shabbat and everything, everything I taught them and showed them, but at the end of the day, they're going to have to make up their minds. You know how they're going to want to express. Their faith it goes on to talk about as well the Lord forbids murder and of course anyone who kills a bee shall make it good and uh, Ryan you want to finish up 15 and 16 in our outline
1: here uh, and, and as far as restitution go ahead and finish that up absolutely so these are some very famous verses here um, here in verse 20 and then uh, verse 22 also is pretty famous within the Hebrew roots uh, but it says here in verse 20 it says breach for breach eye for eye tooth for tooth As he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. And it's very interesting because it talks about, um, you know, equal punishment for crime is essentially the principle that is being laid out here. Well, restitution, yeah, but I mean, if it's an eye, are you going to give him your eye and he's going to use it?
2: But it's it's restitution. It's not like like I'm going to get an eye for an eye. I mean...
1: It says it right there. I no, I know, but
2: I'm saying, it, it, I think the, the principle is restitution.
1: Right. The, well, the principle. Yeah, also the principle. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, so people don't know, that, hey, I'm, I'm going to get revenge or I'm going to pluck your eye out. Or,
1: Correct. Well, and all of these, you know, went through uh, a judge, right? So that you don't just take uh, judgment on your own uh, and do whatever you want. But absolutely, this the idea here is that, you know, if you were to accidentally kill somebody's ox, you got to give them another ox, right? You make restitution, make it good for, for what you did. But right here in verse 22 is interesting because you go through these verses and, you know, obviously all of this was, um, was true for Israelites against Israelites. But what about the Israelites and the stranger That's or the good. sojourner Ryan. that was among them? And it says here, it says, "Ye shall have one manner of law as well for the stranger as for one of your own country, for I am the Lord your God. So this is a, an interesting uh, predicament. You know, there's a, a lot we were of... we strangers and a strange ab- land. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what they're saying here is that we're going to keep the same standard. There's one standard uh, for this restitution. That, if you know, the same standard that we're held to is the same standard that the stranger is, and vice versa. If you were to do the same thing to a stranger, you know, it's going to be back on to you. And it, it does this also when you talk about offerings. It says um, the same exact... Thing uh, about how there's one law for the stranger that's among you, and the, you know those that are homeborn. It does the same thing when it garages the offering. It gives the details of the offerings, and then it says, hey, oh by the way, those things are the same for the stranger that or the sojourner that is among you as it is for those that are homeborn.
2: You know, you think about like this today, we look at the New Testament, and I really like the church government actually found in the New Testament, you know. But Ryan, if you could read, just in closing here, Leviticus 24-23, uh, they present this case of this blasphemer. He goes over these, these things with, with the people and restitution and all of that. And, and look at the conclusion of this particular p- portion of, of, of the Torah. Yep. Verse
1: 23 says, And Moses spake to the children of Israel that they should bring forth him that had cursed out of the camp and stone him with stones. And the children of Israel did as Moses commanded. Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses. Sorry. So, wow. That's, that's, I mean, that's serious stuff, man. God will not be mocked. You know, uh,
2: I, I did a teaching on the plague. And I have much much more <laughs> respect for the lord yeah, and right. the fear of the lord on me than i ever have it's a stripe it's a spot. Uh, you know and like i said i i studied it for hours and if you haven't you know check check out the podcast the, the teaching of the plague uh and i believe it'll bring you closer to god uh, i know it did for me you know and so with that um i would like to also uh close with this that uh What two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Emor or Say, in Leviticus chapter 21, verse 1, all the way through chapter 24, verse 23, from a consensus of the group. This is what we have in our facilitators outline every week that we'll be resuming, hopefully, in phase two of of getting back together. Uh, Number one, this is what I got out of this Torah portion. When you are a priest, there is a higher standard. So if you're a believer, you're a son and daughter of God, you are called kings and priests. Uh, that's number one. number two, uh, following God's calendar will allow you to be at the right place at the right time. Boom. you know as far as our vacation time and this and that, we always celebrate the feast at Beit and and, and and we put God's calendar first and then our personal lives second.
1: yeah yeah my first one would be that that the Sabbath will change your life. just do it don't if you're if you're on the fence about you know legalism this or that, just do it. Um, the Sabbath changed my life. I know that it has changed many other people's lives, and I think that it, um, it's worth it. You should, you should do it with your family. You should bless God while you do it, um, and you'll just experience the Holy Spirit in a way that you've never experienced Him before. Uh, and then the second thing was uh, that we have a high priest that is better than the high priest from Leviticus. Our high priest uh, not only complies with all the rules and regulations of those set forth in Leviticus, but he also created all those rules and regulations, and that he followed them to a T and that he 's doing that high priest work for us up in up in heaven, and that he knows he knows what it 's like to be human, he knows what it 's like to be God, he is the perfect mediator for us between God and man amen, awesome, yeah, so. We're going to count the Omer. I appreciate you guys sticking around for this. Um, and after the Omer, we've got a little ditty for you. So you, those of you that stick around, you're going to be blessed. You made it to the end, you know. That's, that's the The end. Joke. So uh, let's go ahead and, and say the blessing. It says, Baruch atah adonai eloheinu melech haolam
0: asher
2: kitshanu Bemitzvatav Vitzivanu al-sifarat haomer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, whose commandments add holiness to our lives and gives us the command
1: to count the Omer. Today is 24 days, which is three weeks and three days of
2: the counting of the Omer. Amen. We're expecting great things. Amen.
0: All right. Blessed be the name of the Lord, you know.
2: All right, I got Ryan here, a little percussion, maybe some vocal too, like to join me. Uh, boy, when I came to know the Lord and became born again and I, and I discovered this song, uh, it just really uh, encouraged me. And I just had—I was just around the house and I started thinking about the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it and they are saved. And that part of us, I love that part of the song and that's found in Proverbs 18:10. 10. Uh, I guess this is a Don Moen song, but Blessed Be the Name of the Lord, you can find it on YouTube. You can actually find the chords as well. Uh, Go online, go, go on the internet and find it, but this is Blessed
0: Be the Name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Most high. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord, most high. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord, 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 most high. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord, most high. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are saved. Oh, I love that. The name of the Lord is A strong tower The righteous run into it And they are saved Blessings to all of you, and, and the peace of the Holy Spirit be upon you.
1: Amen. Shalom Aleichem. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you guys can live stream our services at 2praise.net and all of our social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and the like. Uh, we love you guys. If you want to reach out to me, it's Ryan at 2praise.net, Ryan at 2praise.net. We love you guys. Have a great week.